0: Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Faye. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuTech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketers. Let's get started. Hey, everyone, it's Jill Kresti here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we interview some of the world's greatest B2B marketing minds out there. Uh, Today, I am extremely excited to be talking to uh, to our guest. Uh, He was awarded one of the top 50 B2B marketing influencers to follow. Uh, He's a writer. In my opinion, he's a marketing genius and he's a revenue expert. Uh, for over 20 years, he's managed digital, traditional marketing, email marketing, and business development for different organizations. Right now, you can find him as the VP of Marketing at SEND. Charlie Riley, welcome to RevOps 500.
1: Thanks for having me. That's uh, quite a flattering, but probably uh, uh, a little inflated uh, intro, but I appreciate it. Uh, ah, no, uh, no,
0: not not at all. Okay. No, no. Just, just just stating the facts here, Charlie. So anyways, uh, look, let's just jump just right in. Uh, what in your opinion is one RevOps myth?
1: I think the the biggest myth that I might find now is that a RevOps role should not, the a myth should, that, uh, should be that a RevOps role should not be one of the first hires in either sales or marketing or in, in a joined revenue capacity. And I say that because 10 years ago, it probably would have been looked at as a nice to have, not a need to have. And nowadays, I think the argument could be made where in a marketing function, and maybe more so looking at revenue as, as a whole, as maybe more on the marketing side, uh, a rev ops role is, is critical. And it, it's arguably maybe one of the first hires you should make, because a lot of uh, marketing efforts and sort of uh, executions can be outsourced. You can outsource creative, you can outsource media buying, uh, you can outsource writing, but you need clean data. You need to be able to trust that uh, your systems work together, that, you know, whatever CRM system you're using, whatever um, uh, marketing, email marketing systems, whatever executions you're using, you need to feel confident that they work, they're connected, and you can uh, accurately report on those. And that specialization in RevOps, it's critical now. So I think the, the, the myth might be that uh, you don't need to hire someone early, but I think the sooner the better for for a, a specialist and even a team
0: so you're saying that most most organizations will, will view revOps as maybe something as a nice to have or maybe when the team is getting a little bit more mature or bigger then they then they bring in a revOps person maybe full time or, or fractional or, or whatever but what you're saying is that it needs to come in early but wh- why I mean and, and you use data as the as a reasoning for that. What about like the alignment of, of like, you know, like your sales and your, and your marketing and, and customer success and those things, how does maybe making RevOps one of the first hires play into all that?
1: Yeah, it, it obviously depends on the size of the, the organization. I've typically worked with small companies. Um, you know, it's, I've either been the first marketing hire, uh, and that's, Usually at a small company, just because you wear one title doesn't mean that you're not wearing multiple hats doing that. So I've stretched over into sales leadership. I've stretched over into having to do rev ops. You you have to do a number of things, and it's difficult to be good at a lot of things. um, Which is why I think the way you you maybe would build a team ten years ago versus now, I think you can look at there's so many specializations. You don't just hire one agency of record for for everything. You can get really specific and and find specialists as a freelancer, or um, maybe a few core individuals that, that function internally, and then you can outsource the rest of that. But from a rev standpoint, and, and really a, a data cleanliness, and just an accuracy standpoint, it's a skill set that I think is, is difficult for maybe a generalist to have, you're either really good at maybe uh, the creative side of marketing, you're maybe really good at the demand gen side, um, you may be fairly good at the RevOps side too, but it, there's some technical elements there of just uh, being consistent with it and being uh, being confident that that work's been done. And so that really needs to tie in across, like you said, with Swiss sales, um, what can we report back to sales to help them understand where to spend their time uh, better, not just, you know, spray and pray and and maybe, you know, Spending time with the wrong types of prospects, but how can they make better decisions? And data helps tell a story with that. Same thing goes for customer service. You know, how do we understand uh, who our really good customers are? How do we understand when there might be a, a there might be an opportunity for someone to who's looking to churn, and how do we avoid that? So I think that skill set is just unique, and I think that it's uh, it's just it's it's critical now for any size company. Um, but more so even the smaller companies that, uh, you know, they, they have to be really, really particular about who and how many people they bring internally. That's one of those roles that I think is very valuable.
0: Yeah. So, Charlie, you know, you you, you mentioned you, got, you have a lot of experience doing sales and marketing at the same time, which is you know, most people think rev ops. They're, they're the They're the person who bridges these two departments together, as you will. So if, if, and if you, if I'm guessing you're, you're in, you're used to working in a smaller marketing team. So how does that, how does that play? So, I mean, if, if, if you're, if you're the, if you're the strategy person, you're the one bringing like the, the, strategy or the generalist, or you're the one kind of evaluating the talent all the time. At what point do you bring in like the RevOps person? Is it, is it like the second hire, the third hire? Is it the, is it after like a creative or, or a storytelling type where exactly in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the flow will you put
1: them? Yeah. If you asked me that question 10 years ago or 15 years ago, they would have been down the list um, okay. because I, you're just used to, yeah, you a writer, uh, yeah. a designer, uh, maybe a marketing developer, um, field marketing, demand gen, whatever that PR. Um, and then on the sales side, you know I, I think where it falls in place nowadays is I would say, again, earlier, the earlier the better. and Now you obviously need someone on the sales side to, to do the work. You know, yes. it, it'd be great to have someone, it'd be having a perfectly clean CRM, but if you don't have someone that can sell what, you know, what's the point, point. there? So I think I think coming in as, as the hybrid between those departments because someone who's gonna be able to see things not only from a marketing side uh, or a, a viewpoint, but a sales viewpoint as well. I think it's, you know, you're asking a lot, but to find someone that is always looking at things from How do we help nurture the right customers and work within their timelines and and give uh, and arm the salesperson with enough information that they can make better decisions? At the same time, you want someone that can help uh, arm the marketing team with decisions on this email campaign was a success because I think it hit these five things. And here's the prospects that we've seen out of that. Hand that over to sales. And then it's just, it's repeatable sales. Were those good prospects? Tell us why. And then we can just we can hone in on that better. So again, I think you can work with small teams now. You could find a few people that may be more generalists, and then you outsource the specialists. Do you need a full-time SEO person internally? Possibly not, depending on the size of your company, but you can find some really quality outsourced, either freelancers or, or agencies that do that. But you need someone looking at data 24-7. You need someone being able to be proactive too, and come up with suggestions to say, Hey, you know, I kind of dug into these campaigns. Look what I found. Uh, is, is this helpful to us? So that's, that's one of those things that should be 24 seven, always on looking at that information where, um, that's why I think it's important to have that, that type of person in, in house, uh, earlier than, than later.
0: Later. Yeah. And that makes and uh, that makes total sense. So, you know, now let, let's say, you know, on, on, on your team, I mean, you know, you, you've got either either you're doing the rev ops or you have someone else helping you with rev ops what what keeps you guys up at night technically with 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 running a rev ops or, or, or a marketing organization like the one you're running at send
1: yeah so in our current state uh, at send we're we're an insurtech uh SaaS startup we're you know a couple mm-hmm. years in but we have a small team sarah is our cmo i report up to her it's myself her and uh, a, a product marketer now uh, and we oversee the 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 BDR function, but then there's also um, a, a, a more true sales function. But it's a small team, only a handful of people. And so, when you think about, you know, we're all pitching in, and we're all trying to, uh, we're trying to make decisions based on how do we clean up the data, how do we avoid doing a lot of manual work, um, which is it's ironic because the the product we sell uh, helps insurance underwriters automate their automate. their systems and their processes. Yeah. So you know, it's it's kind of funny to think about what we've built for underwriting is sort of what you want to do for for marketing is how do you just work faster and 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 more efficiently with a small team? And so the things that keep us up at night are how, how much can we trust this information? How much can we trust that we're doing campaigns, we're doing outreach, uh, inbound and outbound? Um, how much can we trust that these are qualified leads? How much can we trust that We know that they're on the right stage of the deal cycle, and that we can deliver um, the right assets to them. And so, from a technical standpoint, I think again, it's one of those left brain right brain type elements where it's really hard to find someone uh, that has just that's really good at ten different functions. I've never, I've always believed that you're you're good at three or four things, and you should find others that are really good at the rest of those. And so, it's just tough when you have a small team, and I'm sure we're not the only ones that that are doing something like this. You work in HubSpot, um, they've got great assets and great resources to to help um, you, you build build out the instance that you want. Um, but there's a lot of technical know-how that, that has to go into that. And you can get really deep in terms of how, like building out complex workflows and how that all weaves in and how you can, uh, and make sure you're not breaking things when you're sending out different campaigns and such. It's a lot of work. And so that's, I think, That's the one thing that probably keeps us up at night is how accurate is our, how accurate is our data inside of, inside of HubSpot and how do we just get better at knowing that we're talking to the right people?
0: Got it. Yeah. So it's, it's basically the, the CR management, keeping it neat and tidy, just managing the house more than anything else is, is what, is what keeps you up at night. Is like, is there, now you mentioned HubSpot, is, is there particular areas of HubSpot that you, that you feel like a marketing team is? is really good at, and then maybe ones that they're, that they're not as good at. I mean, what's your take on that, Charlie?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think what Mark, I've always, I've been very lucky and fortunate to be able to be very close to to sales teams, some very large. I've I've had to work, you know, in in a previous role, I was in charge of sales ops uh, in addition to, to marketing. And so you're working with a team of a hundred, a hundred salespeople. They all have very different needs. I think the biggest thing I could share for any other any marketer really is spend time with sales. You know, it's always been, you know the two separate sides of the aisle, but we're talking about revenue. We're not talking about marketing ops. We're not talking about sales ops. the, 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 the hot topic we're talking about is revenue ops. And those two teams should work together towards a common goal. And so the more that marketing teams understand the the, the problems that sales people are facing. They understand the timelines and how long it can take, especially for an enterprise level deal. I think the more that they can spend time with sales to listen to prospects, um, you're just going to make better decisions. You're going to make better decisions about when you're in marketing hub and you're working on email campaigns or you're working within, you know, you're putting social posts out through HubSpot. You're going to have a better idea of the the terminology that, that prospects or customers are using versus just, sitting in marketing and making an assumption. And on the flip side, sales should be doing the same thing. I've seen really good salespeople, they give, they give feedback and it's not being critical. It's, Hey, are you creating content around this topic? And I think when there's a constant loop there, that's where, when you're working inside a HubSpot, you're seeing, you're seeing deal progression move, move faster. You're seeing the right touch points hit. You're seeing open rates go up. You're seeing click-through rates go up. Um, So it's just a constant loop, I think. And so when, when they're talking back and forth and when there's a deep appreciation for, I know how hard your job is and I know how hard your job is. And if we work together on this and just can continue to communicate, um, y- you see that not only just in the output of what you're doing, but you see it in HubSpot. You see improvements in, like I said, open rates, but you see improvements in uh, closed one opportunities, things like that.
0: So it's interesting You, know, you, you tied, you tied using the product with like actually like just making sure that the people are, are 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 connected. So if the people are connected, the product will be easier to use. It doesn't matter if it's a HubSpot CRM or Salesforce or whatever. Now, how do you in, in your experience how how have you made that connection between sales teams and marketing teams work? Are there like special events? Is there like a magic trick? Or is there things you like turn bridge building activities that you do? How do you how do you, how do you do it?
1: it's not easy. And I think that, uh, it's definitely not easy. I think every, every company is probably going through some, some element of just maybe friction, uh, sometimes animosity, sometimes just, it's just a, it's a lack of not, not being interested. I think is the first step is really, and sometimes someone just has to step up and that might be from the marketing side and asking to be on, uh, you know, to be part of deal review meetings, uh, frequently, and as they're talking about deals and progression and, and needs there, I've sat in on those types of meetings and had LinkedIn pulled up and, and I can help show in the past it was, hey, it looks like someone knows this prospect, we're struggling here, we're getting, you know, we can't, we don't have an in with with the, the right buyer there, but it looks like here's a warm intro. And all of a sudden they see how you're thinking and then vice versa, it, by sitting in on those meetings, you're hearing the conversations happening. You're thinking like, oh, why are they asking that question? I can see how that could be impactful for my job, but I can see what what they're going through. And so it usually starts with uh, both sides of sales and marketing just having a genuine curiosity. I mean, sales it, it, sales should be curious in, inherently. They should be wanting to, they, they should be talking less than the prospect talks. So it's the same thing. Tell me why you're sending this email out at this time. Tell me why it looks like this. Tell me why, um, you know, these landing pages are a certain way. Tell me tell me why you're saying or you're, why the content looks like this. If they're asking those questions, then th- there's a deep appreciation there. Um, but I've always kind of shared that, you know, everyone on the, everyone's on the marketing team. Everyone's on the sales team. And that goes for someone in accounting. That goes for someone in develop, delivery, wherever, because they all have their own networks. They may be connected to somebody who could be a, a, an intro, um, but they all have a story to tell now. Everybody has you know, a, a LinkedIn profile, everyone has their own persona. So I think the more that everyone understands how they can chip in on revenue and, and you share that, you share those goals or, or you share those celebrations. Um, but sales marketing should be sitting in on customer calls, sales should be contributing to, you know, here's the content I'm hearing. And then marketing should celebrate that. Hey, that was great feedback. We just pushed this email campaign out and we got a 5% lift in in response that tells the salesperson I was listening to you. And so mm. it's not easy. It's There's no magic wand like you, like you said, but right. you gotta start somewhere and you have to show a genuine interest. And I think then the other side of the coin, the other side of the revenue coin will see, okay, they actually care about what I'm trying to do and we're all trying to get better at the same time.
0: Hey everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of RevOps 500. This podcast is a great opportunity and channel for revenue operations and much more. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to ship production to a friendly team, check out Ringmaster.com. They're the team behind this podcast. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computan. Computan serves as the backend dev and technology team for short-handed marketing agencies and departments. Short-handed wait a minute that sounds like me now let's get back to it the end yeah so you, you mentioned like the uh like the tell me why questions which are which are pretty interesting right you know tell me why this is happening tell me why it's happening and, lo- and a lot of times in day-to-day work and you know, anything we just don't ask those questions enough maybe right so maybe it's sounds like what you're saying is you need you need people to on both sides of the aisle to to ask those questions to one another and then when you have that, that's the start of the curiosity, and then the start of being heard, and then it's a, and then it goes into the CRM. It shows up in the in clean data, which is what RevOps is all about. So that's a it's a pretty interesting interesting circle that you you know that you that you that you that you drew there. Uh, where, I mean, so that that's kind of like the past and the present. Charlie, where do you think the future of all this is going to? Do you think that's going to change at all, or how will it change? I mean, what is your take?
1: I don't think that. Uh... So there's probably two ways to answer that. I don't think yeah. what's going to change is that uh, the teams are going to meld more together in in a sense of uh, how how they approach uh, growing their business. Um, yeah. And I think everyone wants to be seen and heard. Uh, and that that's you know not that I didn't make that up. A, a friend right. and a really smart salesperson, Amy Bolas, uh, I think that that, that she might have trademarked that. But that goes back to that idea of. Asking more questions with an intent to actually do something about that. It's it's you know if if you're sitting in a meeting and someone says you know it's it's about the tone. Why would you send that email out like that? Well, that's a negative tone. Yeah. But if it's if there's a genuine curiosity, around, hey, I'm curious. Why did we send that on a Thursday versus 8 p.m. on a on a Tuesday? And like what? How does this, this work? How does this work? Uh, there's a genuine curiosity about that. And so I think that that just that breaks down some barriers. So I think the future is going to continue to show these two types of of teams are working closer together. And I think the future is also going to show that RevOps is going to have a seat at the table because they're going to bring a very unique perspective around here's data that's telling a story and here's how we can make decisions from that instead of guessing. Because I know, you know, there's always been a joke around marketing is Somewhat guessing, uh, but there's there's science and art to what marketing does. same thing on the sales side. RevOps helps to to validate that, and it gives it it should proactively be giving insight into how to make your business better. So I think that as the future grows, we're going to see that role, see that function, see that um, that type of uh, skill set grow, and I think we're going to see that have more of a seat at the table from a decision making standpoint.
0: So yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's just the the, the rev ops is going to be be a more defined role, and then you know you're connecting people together more often, and it's it, it, you'll see that you'll see people understand that that's what the role does. Sometimes it seems like people are not sure what what a rev ops role does exactly, but you know you're saying that 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 understanding is going to be much 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 clearer than it is than it is now. Uh, I mean yeah, so like let, let's let's kind of talk a little bit more about. About, you know, Charlie, the person, you know, like uh, what, I mean, what is, uh, so, you know, say, say, you know, you're, you're trying to advise somebody who, who is maybe just stepping into a VP of sales and marketing type of role where they are going to have to wear both sides, both hats. You know, it can't just be, oh, I'm just marketing. I'm turning my, my, you know, my, my head the other way on sales. What kind of advice could you give them? There's someone just coming into it.
1: The advice i'd give to somebody kind of stepping into maybe a hybrid role is is probably similar to what i was talking about before is you have to have genuine curiosity uh my career path always started in in marketing it's been in some element of marketing leadership or you know focused on different functions of marketing for 20 plus years but there was from the beginning, sales was a part of that, and usually that's because I've gravitated towards smaller organizations, and you just have to do multiple things. And so, I think I've just had a genuine curiosity around uh, what do they do, and 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 how do they how do they approach that? And I think it makes you think as a marketer, you've you've you're in sales, you've always been in sales. It's just you're selling in a different function, and and like a light bulb went off at one point for me of just understanding that's a hard thing to do to sell, especially when you're talking about software and you're talking about um, when you get to enterprise level. So the advice I'd give to somebody is just be genuinely curious and spend time, spend time talking to people that are really successful with that. And and multiple people, you know, you you have to, you're always learning. I think that's, that's something that you have to advocate for, not only for yourself and hope that the company that you work for is going to uh, advocate for you and they're going to put you in the right positions or, or around, around training and give you the assets you need. But you also have, have to advocate for yourself and you can't just assume things are going to come to you. You have to spend time in the right communities. You have to read on your own. You have to just, you have to listen. And so you have to take, take advantage of that. That's, it's your career. You've got to take advantage of that yourself. And so the more time you spend with people from different backgrounds around company size, function, uh, maybe even industry, you're just gonna pick up things and it's just gonna build your curiosity around um, around what the other side of revenue does. But it's also gonna just br- give you credibility when you can talk to that and say, hey, I understand what you're trying to do or what you're trying to go through. Have you thought about, about this? Or maybe this is a way to approach it we can work on it together. It's just gonna help bring credibility to it. And uh, it's just gonna, it's gonna help, again, back to the whole goal is to drive revenue.
0: So with that in mind, Charlie, would you say that most marketers or potential rev ops professionals who, who might be doing wearing multiple hats? I mean, would you say that? I mean, marketers and salespeople are more is listening maybe a strength of theirs, or is it more is it more like the communicating, like talking, the 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 idea people? I mean, and if 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 it is that they're more idea people, how do they maybe? Let the game come to them a little bit, and 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 just, you know, just lead with the ears first. How, how do you, you know? I mean, you've done that, obviously. You know, you've been doing that for a long time. You you can't be in a, a marketing and sales force for multiple companies without without knowing how to do that. So you know, you know how to do that, right? So how, how 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 do other people learn that that curiosity if it doesn't come naturally to them?
1: It's tough if you're not. If you're not an outgoing person, it's tough. If you're, you just, you have to pick your balance, I think, there of, of where the right p- places to step in. One of the things that I've learned, I think that's very valuable. And this is, again, a, a, a tactic that's valuable for sales and, and marketing to understand is everyone has a different learning style. And so there are visual learners, there are auditory learners, um, there are people that need to need a huge document before to digest. And then they'll come back and come back with a question where some people can just rattle off a response right away. And so if you can appreciate that, you just know you have to understand how to communicate in different formats. And so I think one way to learn that way is okay, what either it's who you're reporting up to, um, who you're reporting across from, who you're working with, and what are their styles? Are they a visual learner? Do you do you record a loom video for them as like a too long, didn't read version of of, for someone to see it visually. Sometimes if you're working with someone technical, they might want a lot of documentation. So understand that, give them the information in the format that they need, and then you're going to have a much better chance of of just having a dialogue and and, and being on the same page. But I've learned fairly quickly because you make mistakes of thinking, well, I communicate this way. Why doesn't this person understand what I'm trying to share with them? You have to understand how they need it. And it's the same thing for prospecting. It's it's it shouldn't be about me. It's about what they need and in, in the, the way that they need it. And so, you know, you just have to you have to deviate that. If you're sending an email to a CEO who's super busy, probably bullet it out in two or three two two or three bullets max. If you're talking to someone on a dev team that you you need, you know, some back end work done, they might want that they want a deeper uh, you know, permits. document of yeah. So It's all about the format and it's all about their learning style. And I think that the the faster you can understand who you're trying to work with and their learning style, the better off that you're going to, the quicker you're going to get to the, to the end goal. So
0: what, what would, uh, some advice you give like a previous version of yourself, knowing what you know now, was there a time when maybe, maybe you didn't understand communication styles very well? I mean, everybody, everybody starts as a rookie, right? I mean, so, you know, what was, what is some advice that you would probably give to your Your previous self
1: yeah you we're all learning and i think uh, (laughs) i've made many 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 mistakes in the past i think what i've learned is again the the learning style thing and i i worked with somebody um, who he he wrote books about this and it was just fascinating to me to think about my style isn't the same style for everybody else and it, it was as soon as i picked up on that it was, okay, the teams that I'm lucky enough to lead, how do you like to communicate? What works best? Uh, some people need daily just check-ins to to kind of keep things on pace. Some people need a little bit more room. Some people need, uh, you know, I've learned in the past, you make a mistake where they need constructive criticism or somebody might need a little bit more detailed, uh, you know, nuance around how you, how you deliver feedback on something. And so it's, it's being aware and being self-aware enough that my style and my preference is, is not the same for everybody else. And that's gonna get me nowhere. And I think, you know, I have three little kids, same thing for them. My style is gonna be different from them mm-hmm. and how they interpret things. And so it's just, you have to adapt to, to the person that you're speaking with. And, and I've made mistakes doing that, but I think over time, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I did it this way and I, I shared it this way and it worked and it 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 resonated better so i think it's just it's it's one of those things where you just always have to you know you have to be aware of your situation and and try to understand what what the other person needs um and anticipate if you can anticipate and pro, especially in a small company where you're moving fast and you don't have a, the luxury of massive resources you have to anticipate and and, and maybe be proactive um where you know, if, if you don't do that, and I have done this in the past you're like, maybe I should wait on that, like bring a solution. And I think that's where, um, you know, that's what people expect. So that, that, that would be my advice.
0: Yeah. And and that makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you know, is, is, and you're lucky to have had a mentor like that, you know, who helped you out and you you wrote books on learning style. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I mean, what, I mean, like, okay, so what, what can, where can people learn more about you, Charlie? I mean, where, where can they connect with you online?
1: Yeah, I think the probably the easiest place is LinkedIn. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I spend some time there. I kind of ebb and flow with sharing thoughts, but also it's just, uh, it's a great place. It's a great place to learn and it's a great place to, to pick up tips. And I've, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned Amy, I've, there's a lot of people that I've focused my my professional development on more coming from sales leaders because mm-hmm. i know i still have a ton to learn on the sales side I've, I've you know done marketing for a lot longer but i have a lot to learn there as well but you know it's it's a great place to to pick up some really good tips and and, and tricks from people so they can find me on linkedin um or you know you, you know on our website at, at send where um you know it's uh, it's it's an interesting uh, opportunity with, with in a, an industry I spent some time in before in insurance. And so, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do a lot of the things that we just talked about here is build better data, um, align our sales and marketing campaigns together. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun opportunity within uh, a SaaS product, uh, for insurance companies. And, um, they could find me there or, uh, on LinkedIn, just searching Charlie Riley.
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about send while, while, while you're on the topic.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a UK based company, but we're, we're global. We work with insurance uh, carriers all over the world and we've, our, our three founders, uh, they, they've they come from technology and they've, they were asked to, to build a, a, a solution for underwriters, which are really the, the, the salespeople in the insurance world. If you're not from insurance, there's a lot of, you know, te- a lot of terminology that's specific to the, to that world, but they take risks they look at it assess it and decide if it makes sense to 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 for them to um consider that and yeah and we've built software to make that process simpler it's sort of like a crm i guess is a good analogy for underwriters to see Hmm. all these risks in one place to make better decisions faster about how they can uh help the company decide what business to write And we've uh, we we you know we use AI we're using machine learning to be able to help automate those those steps um, to just make that their job faster and let them spend time in the places they wanted to to do that to to build relationships with their their prospects um you know just to not work on manual work all the time so um, it's a great great culture great company and it's been exciting as the first U.S. hire um, to help us grow in, in in North America.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's a, it's you know, it's a big opportunity. Obviously, it's something that you're you're used to doing, right? I mean, you know, you're you're used to working in small marketing teams and kind of building building out the pipeline and like the and the demand gen machine and all those sorts of things, you know. And that and that's kind of um, something that was really interesting. That, that's why you know we're we're really excited to get you on because you know you have that experience working with many many small different teams. Most of our our guests don't have that combination of sales and marketing expertise. So this is a this is an amazing conversation. Just to kind of you know, hear hear both sides. Cause, you know, we usually get marketers on. The marketers will talk about you know, they'll talk the they'll talk the marketing lingo, but not necessarily have a deep sensitivity for the sales side of it. And so, you know, we can't appreciate it enough for you coming on and and me on this today.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I I it's just it's fun to build. And I think any advice I would give to a marketer is spend time with sales because over my career I've learned that sales is extremely hard and there's a perception, you know, sales is oh they do what they want. You know, they make a ton of money, which both things could be fairly true to some degree, but it's also really difficult. And I think as a marketer, the more that you expand upon understanding financials, understanding the sales process, understanding how the ops teams work, um, you're just going to become a a much more uh, well-rounded marketer. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to talk about. And uh, it's, it's a fun topic that, that, you know, you I just enjoy this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's uh, deeply, deeply insightful. And uh, to anybody who's listening out there, I mean, if you, if you enjoyed it, you know, please uh, send it over to somebody else. Maybe they can pick up some things from Charlie's journey. And yeah, thanks again, Charlie, for, for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This has been another exciting episode of RevOps 500, and we'll see you all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revops500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computing, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketers.